This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to Sportsnet today. Hour two rolls on here. We're coming at you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. Flames game day. The Flames welcoming in the Chicago Blackhawks. Chicago picked up a 4-3 overtime win against the Flames back in Chicago on Sunday, January 8th. Flames will look to pick up some revenge in that one uh, for that game tonight. At the Scotiabank Sandalome and look to end this four-game homestand with a three and one record. And as we like to do on game days, get you a little perspective on the opponent tonight for the Calgary Flames. Uh, to help us take a look at the Chicago Blackhawks, we go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon and welcome in Charlie uh, Remulitis, uh, who covers the Blackhawks for NBCS Chicago, uh, joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Charlie, thanks for doing this today, man. How are you? Yeah, what's going on? I suddenly have a craving for pizza now after that ad read. Yeah, I, uh, we get that a lot, actually, as uh, Atlas uh, certainly knows their target demographic around here well. Uh, yeah, uh, Blackhawks in tonight to uh, take on the Flames. Um, interesting uh, year for Chicago. I guess it's been an up-and-down one, but it's uh, a focus now probably on the trade deadline for Chicago. Hey, Charlie? Yeah, for sure. It was kind of weird because the Blackhawks got off to like such a hot start where they had won four of six games and then everyone here in Chicago was like, what's going on? Like, are the Blackhawks too good to tank? Are they not going to be in the, in the number one overall sweepstakes when it's all said and done? And then it felt like the, the course kind of corrected. And I think they went, they won only two games in like a 25 game span in November and December. And now they've kind of ratcheted up a little bit outside of that Vancouver game where they had previously won six of eight. So um, it feels like water has kind of found its level here over the course of the season. And, and they're kind of right where they should be when you look at the standings. Obviously, so much of the focus is going to be on Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, and their future with the team. Have we gotten any clarity on that? Like, I, I know we've heard at different times Chicago was never going to push them out, but from a player's perspective, do you think we're closer to them potentially leaving Chicago than we were at the beginning of the season? Yeah, so a couple of weeks ago, uh, we did sit down interviews with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, and we kind of asked them where they're at mentally, um, you know, when they're going to start having those more serious conversations with Blackhawks general manager Kyle Davidson and, and Patrick and Jonathan's reps. And it feels like the sense that I'm getting is they might be leaning one way or another, but I don't think they've really come to a conclusion yet on what exactly they want to do. Like Jonathan Taves specifically, when I talked to him, in my interview, he says the dominant thought in my mind changes every day. So like, I think he's still kind of wrestling with the fact that Chicago is in a rebuild because he would love to, to stick around here for the rest of his career, but he's also not naive to the situation and understands that, you know, maybe a chain of change of scenery for both sides isn't the worst thing. And I think the same goes with Patrick too, who will obviously have more, uh, will obviously be a, a more of a trade candidate as the, the March, third trade deadline rolls around but more re more recently we, we had Kyle Davidson on our pregame show on Sunday 
and he expects to meet with them in the next few weeks. And I think, you know, looking at the schedule here, obviously the Blackhawks have the bye week coming up and then the all-star weekend. Like I wouldn't be surprised if that's maybe a week where both sides maybe just connect to, to get a closer feel on what each side is thinking. And then once we get into mid February, then it feels like decision time. And it's an interesting case, and I'd be curious your thoughts on this. I find the situation with Chicago a bit different when it comes to to Kane and Taves because so many times we talk about these franchise icons and potentially moving at the trade deadline. I wouldn't be surprised at the end of the day, Charlie, if both of these guys looked at it and said, look, we're maybe comfortable staying in Chicago because neither one of them have to championship ring chase, right? Like they've won everything they possibly could in Chicago. So it's not out of the, the realm of possibility that they remain with the Blackhawks, hey? Yeah, I I don't think so either. It, it still would be a little bit surprising if both were here beyond the March 3rd trade deadline. Yeah. Um, I, I see it differently with, like you said, I feel like Kane and Taze, both of their situations are a little bit different. Like, I feel like Jonathan Taze, his, number, his numbers have kind of declined over the last few years, and uh, I'm not sure how much hockey he has left in him. Now he says he wants to continue playing and play at a believes he can play at a high level for for a few years. But he, he's he, he's such a different player than Patrick because he he plays such a demanding brand of hockey. Whereas Patrick, like he I mean he never gets hit, and I'm sure he like he could probably play until he's 40, maybe even beyond that. So it feels like if Patrick wanted to stick around and wanted to see maybe how the draft lottery shook out and if they do land a, a generational type player in Connor Bedard like maybe he maybe he could convince himself that this rebuild doesn't have to be as long as what they thought it was going to be maybe a, a few months prior and then with Jonathan Taves he's probably wrestling with the same thing but he's like well, oh how much hockey do I have left in me like Patrick Kane might be able to convince himself that in year three uh, the Blackhawks can maybe be back on the upswing I just don't know if Jonathan Taves is going to be playing for for that long. So it definitely is probably a tug of war for these guys as they kind of uh, n- navigate playing one playing their NHL careers with one team, but also realizing you know like how much like how how much does winning weigh in? Because you also have to remember they haven't won a playoff round since 2015 when they won the Stanley Cup final. Like it's been so many years of really tough days of hockey here in Chicago. So it doesn't feel like it's just starting for them. Like it, they've, they've been in this for a while. And uh, look, a couple other UFAs that have been brought up around Chicago, Andreas Athanasiu and Max Domi, both on expiring contracts this year. Would you expect those two to be in play in the next couple of weeks as well? Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, I think Max Domi specifically, he's got a little bit more value probably this year, not just when you look at his numbers, but He's also been one of the best face-off men in the league this year, which I think adds a different dimension to his game when maybe teams across the NHL are looking for a potential middle six piece um, for, for their Stanley Cup run. Like he, He's also a guy that, that's winning a lot of draws, and Chicago has been putting him on there for some defensive zone draws because of it. Um, so I, I'm sure teams are, are definitely looking at that dimension of his game and saying, okay, we could definitely use that um, come springtime. And then same with Andreas Athanasiu. Like his, his speed is so uh, electrifying that he can he, he doesn't do a, a a perfect job of always utilizing his teammates but he's such a skilled one-on-one player that he can basically dance around all five guys in in the uh, in the zone and score a goal and it basically just changes the the game so it'll be interesting to see what the market uh, is for him the, the one name I will throw out there too that I believe 
could legitimately get moved is Jake McCabe. Like he's, I think he's got like a plus five rating on the Blackhawks and their even strength goal differential is like minus 55. And like somehow he is, he has been such a steady defenseman for the Blackhawks back there that I wouldn't be surprised if he's a name that really garters interest moving forward. We're chatting with Charlie Romeliotis here on uh, Sportsnet today's Blackhawks insider for NBC Sports Chicago Flames and Blackhawks tonight from the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Uh, a couple other things I wanted to touch on with you, Charlie, and it's been year one for Luke Richardson as head coach of this team. And obviously there's been a lot of talk around this team at the head coaching spot over the last couple of years. And there's been lots of off the ice distractions, but how has it been year one for Luke Richardson in a year where, look, they weren't expected to do a lot of winning, but I think it's still a tough spot for a head coach to come in. What have you made of year one under Luke? Yeah, for sure. I, I think when the Blackhawks first hired him, I, I didn't really have him on my radar as guys that, you know, sometimes you, you read the reports and you feel like you know who the coaches in waiting are uh, whenever jobs open up. And his name really wasn't mentioned. So when the Blackhawks hired him, you kind of had to do your research on like, obviously everyone knew who he was as a player, but you you know, what was his coaching background and, and you know, how, how come he wasn't mentioned as some of the coaches that should be next in line. And now that I see him and I like, we like talk to him every day and see how the guys respond to him. Like my question is like, what, what took everyone so long or the hockey community to realize how, how good of a coach uh, this guy is and just the respect that he has inside the locker room and um, you know, X's and O's too. Like he sees the game, he can relate to the players uh, in a deeper way. And in my interview with Jonathan Taves that I referenced earlier, like I asked him specifically whether he, he feels like Luke Richardson has really laid down a culture uh, a, a solid culture here for the rebuild. And he said, absolutely. He said, he said, there, there's an example sometimes where, you know, Jonathan Taves will be really heated on the bench about something. And then he'll look back at Luke Richardson and Luke is just kind of really calm. Like has this really calm demeanor. And Jonathan was like, sometimes I don't even know if he sees what I see or if he's just <laughs> really calm and, and, you know, he wants that to rub off on his guys. And, and I think that's exactly what it is. Like his, his demeanor and his presence has, has really rubbed off on him. Now, obviously, you don't see it uh, in the standings and you look at the numbers and the Blackhawks are dead last in a lot of those categories. But if you do really go break down some of the games, um, you know, it, for the most part, they're very tight, you know, and the Blackhawks are just basically being outskilled and not necessarily outworked. If I was to ask you to find a bright spot on this team, something that's gone well that maybe you hadn't expected to go well in what's obviously a, the start of a rebuild for the Chicago Blackhawks, what would you point to? Yeah, so I'll actually reference the the Blackhawks prospect, Lucas Reichel, that obviously had the three-point game against Calgary um, the last time these two teams faced. Now, I know he's not in the NHL. Um, they sent him back after three games, but mm -hmm. he, he had really, he had kind of been struggling to produce offensively in the NHL. I think he had only one point in his first 11 or 12 games in the NHL. So there was, uh, I don't want to say concern, but there was a little bit like, okay, like how come he's producing such big numbers in the AHL, but he's not doing so in the NHL. Um, and so I think when Patrick Kane went down with that injury and he missed three games, they, they called up Lucas Reichel and they're like, all right, we're going to put him in, in Kane's spot and we're going to give him those minutes. And he really flourished. Like he had one of his best games of the, of the, of his NHL career on that Friday against Arizona. And then he followed that up with the three point performance against Calgary uh, a couple nights later. And I think that that's now that he's back in Rockford in the AHL, I'm, he could probably take that and be like, okay, like I know I can be a really good player in the NHL and, and it's just going to be a matter of time. And then there's another guy that they had earlier in the year, Arvid Soderblom, who's the, the goaltender. He's back in Rockford. But when 
Razik and Alex Daylock were hurt, he was basically the guy. And it, it didn't reflect in wins, um, unfortunately for him, but he was he was a real bright spot. So I think they have a couple young prospects there in Rockford that they didn't necessarily, you know, I guess Reichel is differently because he's a first-round pick, but sort of whom I really popped. And I think that was, that was a, a pleasant bright spot for Chicago too. What's the reception been like in Chicago as far as the team goes? Uh, I follow your colleague in, in covering the Blackhawks, Ben Pope, on Twitter, and he's always big on you know tweeting out the graphs of, of attendance and everything, and it seems like it's actually been <laughs> fairly well-received in Chicago as well as things can go, and I imagine a lot of that would come from a hockey city that understands sometimes you have to go through pain if you want to go through success. Just overall, how would you say Blackhawks fans are, are handling what's been a tough year? Yeah, I think I'm pretty surprised at the attendance this year. Like, I'll, I'll look around on a random Tuesday night game or a, a Wednesday night game, and I'm like, man, there's a pretty good crowd tonight mm-hmm. for, for a team that really stripped its roster. Um, and I think what what that really is is the the of the um, Patrick Kane and John of the Tays. Like, they're still box office, like specifically Patrick Kane. But I also think it's a reflection of the Blackhawks winning those three Stanley Cups from 2010, 13, and 15, I think it's really carried over into like a new generation of hockey fans in Chicago. And we're seeing like a lot of, a lot of uh, kids that were watching those Blackhawks runs are now, you know, in their twenties and thirties and they're, you know, they're enjoying and appreciating Chicago hockey and what those two guys have built here in Chicago. And I think the other thing too, that, Obviously, the the rebuild is probably going to be tough to stomach in the short term. But but I think watching Connor Bedard at the World Juniors, um, like we obviously all heard how good he was, but actually seeing how great he was in that tournament and Blackhawks can can now kind of visualize like how good this player is, I think gets them a little bit more excited or or I guess it's easier to stomach a season like this when you know that there's a potential prize in a, a guy like Bedard at the end of it. So say we get past the trade deadline, Charlie, and Kane and Taves find themselves in different spots across the league. Is there a a leader that you would look to in that locker room that's going to fill that void this season in the locker room? I know it's it's obviously going to be impossible to fill what those guys mean as a whole to Chicago and what they mean even on the ice still at this point in their career, but do the Blackhawks have the beginnings of that next leadership group already in your mind, or is that something they'll have to develop as uh, the years go on? Yeah, it's a good question because some of the guys that wear the A right now, you don't know, you know, what they're like last year, Alex DeBrinkett wore an A and then he obviously got traded in the summer. Mm -hmm. And then Connor Murphy wears the third A sometime, like he wears it on the road and he alternates. And so, you know, is Connor Murphy going to be here beyond this season, let alone next year, who knows? I think the one guy that will probably be a constant in that leadership group is, is Seth Jones. And just because he's, he's signed for so long and, and obviously the, the Blackhawks feel like he can kind of be the, a piece that transitions this team from, you know, potentially the Kane and Taze era to the new generation. Um, although it is going to be interesting to see, like if the Blackhawks do land Connor Bedard or even Adam Fantilli, it feels like one of those two guys will probably be the, the centerpiece of the the leadership group uh, when it's all said and done. But for now, I, I definitely think Seth Jones, it would probably fall on his shoulders to really establish that culture or continue what Kane and Taves have built here. Uh, and I don't know that you'll have a, a full scouting report for Flames fans here, but uh, give us your best uh, to tell us about Jackson Stauber, uh, who makes his second career start tonight. Hey, he picked up a win against St. Louis the other night, and 
uh, just trying to give Flames fans an idea of how we got here and how Jackson is uh, winding up as the starter tonight. Yeah, well, the the Blackhawks goaltending situation has just been an absolute uh, just a game of musical chairs this year because, like I re- referenced earlier, with like Peter Mrazek going down with a couple with a couple groin injuries early in the year, and then Alex Stalock had a concussion, and now he's back in concussion protocol, and now the guy that was the you know the the one A or I guess when those guys were down earlier in the season was Arvid Soderblom, and he's you know he was hurt in Rockford with a groin injury, um, and he, he just recently returned, but I think it would be unfair to to kind of throw him in, um, so. Jackson Stauber is basically like a fourth goalie goalie on the depth chart, and he's the guy. Uh, and uh, so I think he had a really nice performance against St. Louis um, the other night for his first career NHL win. Um, he, he's a very uh, – he, he's not a scrambly goaltender. Like, he's very – you know, you won't see him losing his net a lot. Like, he's very kind of stationary. So I think um, that's probably what Flames fans should expect, probably just getting guys in front of the net and taking his eyes away um, would probably be the best way to beat him. And uh, last but not least, before we let you go, Charlie, I really do appreciate the time this afternoon. Give us your view of the Calgary Flames. We saw these two teams meet up a little bit earlier in the month. The Flames tried to come back in that game, but uh, weren't able to. The Domi line had a lot of success. What do you look at uh, when you see this Calgary Flames team? Yeah, for sure. I, I think back to that game, and it, it definitely feels like, like Calgary deserved more uh, than a point. Um, you know, I'm sure they were they were glad to at least get a point in that game, but they outshot them like 47 to 25. And it really the, the scoring chances were tilted in their favor. I just think they're the better roster. Um, I think Chicago probably knows that um, they're going to get a hungry flames team. That's looking for revenge. The one difference I guess in this game is that the Blackhawks won't have Lucas Reichel, uh, but they will have some guy named Patrick Kane back on the first line. So <laughs> um, I'm sure it'll be a, uh, you know, it'll be a, a fun matchup because Chicago is playing well, right? And I think yeah. Calgary is also obviously fighting right now for a playoff fight, for a permanent playoff spot. So it should be a, a high-intensity game. Charlie, really appreciate the time. Thanks for hopping on with us this afternoon. Uh, enjoy the game, and we'll check in with you a little bit later on in the season, hey? Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Charlie Vermeliaitis joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, he covers the Chicago Blackhawks for NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, yes, Flames and Blackhawks meeting up again this uh, this month. I mentioned it was a 4-3 win in overtime for Chicago uh, back in Chicago on the 8th of January. Uh, Jacob Markstrom got pulled in that game in favor of Dan Vladar. Um, Max Domi's line gave Calgary all sorts of trouble in that OT loss. Uh, 47 shots on goal for the Flames in that one, just 25 for Chicago. It was Alex Stalock who picked up the win in the victory for Chicago. They'll still meet up one more time uh, after the trade deadline. It's uh, one of the last games of the year here in Calgary. It's an April 4th matchup in uh, at the Scotiabank Saddledome. So will Kane and Taves be a part of this team uh, post-trade deadline? Don't know. Could be your last chance to see them at the Dome tonight as members of the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, Charlie joined us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. When we come back on the other side, let's hear from some members of the Calgary Flames, including head coach Daryl Sutter on a game day. That's coming up on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Yes, it's Logan Gordon back with you. Sportsnet Today. Final segment of the program before we hand things over to the one and only Haley Salvian 
for Hockey Central 960. A reminder, you can get the show wherever you get your podcast. Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. They're posted minutes. Minutes, Cam. Cam does them in minutes. I try to get it out within 10, 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah, 10, 15 minutes. You not missed, too bad. You missed the show. You 10 missed minutes, 50 minutes. 10, 15 minutes. It's in it's your up. Spotify. There you go. You want to hear me mispronounce our guests' names? Like my producers mocked me for in the last break? Which has never, ever you happened. You can totally do that. It's not like I sent you a text exactly explaining how to oh. pronounce the last name, Logan. I tried so hard. And I do thank Charlie for coming on. He was fantastic. It was great insight on the Blackhawks. But you just, and I, you know, when you see, when you're in a spot about pronunciation, you guys did a great job. You prepped me for it. You had me ready for it. And it's not that bad. Charlie. Romeliotis. We threw you the lob. Could I do that when I was speaking to him? Couldn't throw no. it down. No. In the break? Could I talk about it? Yeah, sure. Totally. Absolutely. Key moment? Pressure moment? Could I do it? No. One timer left circle and just missed the pass. I mean, I don't think he right noticed because he did just text me back and said, why is Logan sorry for being an idiot? Well, I mean, okay, let's be honest. You threw me under the bus with that return text anyways. Because you should, have, your you should have clarified why I was an idiot. There's a lot of reasons. There's, uh, I mean, 50 reasons why I could be an idiot. This one just happens to be uh, my lackluster pronunciation of his last name. So, uh, it's always good to know I've got support uh, from Cam and Taylor. Unless I mess something up. In which case, they'll mock me, and I deserve it. And I'm okay with that. The Gen Z way of showing love. Yeah, see, and that's and that's something that Pat's not used to yet, right? We're still adapting that in our afternoon show group chat. Is we love Pat, but Pat's more used to a softer approach. And you guys go hard on things like his age. He's used to the gentle parenting. Yeah, that? exactly. And then you guys show up and you throw memes about his age and call him grandpa, and he gets very upset and. I'm more used to the beatings. The tough love from you two over there. This is tough. It is tough. You guys uh you guys hold such high standards. Uh Flames game day. Flames and Blackhawks, your last team last time to uh, see Calgary at the dome for quite a while. Homestand ends tonight. Into Seattle tomorrow. Long all-star break for the Calgary Flames. And then they are out on the road. Not back in these confines until Thursday, February 16th. Lineup notes ahead of this one. Chris Tanev, as announced yesterday by head coach Daryl Sutter, will not play in these two games for the Calgary Flames. Connor Mackey is in the lineup tonight. He's on a pairing with Michael Stone. Nikita Zadorov moves up into Tanev's spot with Mackenzie Weger. Jacob Markstrom gets the start in goal for the Calgary Flames. His first start since the beginning of this homestand. 
when he lost, uh, was part of the Flames 4-1 loss in that disappointing matchup against the Colorado Avalanche. On the other side, we didn't see him in the loss in Chicago, but Patrick Kane is in the Blackhawks lineup tonight. They will be going with emergency loan goaltender Jackson Stauber. Fourth in their depth chart, making his second career NHL start. He got a win over St. Louis on the 21st. He's got 12 games at the AHL level. This is his first pro season out of Providence College. 12 games at the AHL level with Rockford. 3.06 goals against and an 8.96 save percentage. So goes without saying that the Calgary Flames need to make life difficult on a young goaltender tonight. Can they do that? It's one of the things that this team has struggled with at times. I think it's fair to say that um, it, it you don't want to see one of those nights for the Calgary Flames where they're at 40 shots and two or three high danger opportunities. Tonight's got to be one of those nights where the high danger chances are up close to 10. You want to make life difficult on a young goaltender. And uh, as a few people have pointed out on the text line, 960-960, or on Twitter, that's not always the case for this Calgary Flames team. Let's see if they can do it tonight. You'd really like to end off this homestand 3-1. and one. You've already lost a point to Chicago earlier this month. Don't make that same mistake tonight if you're the Calgary Flames, but uh, they're not taking this team lightly. The Blackhawks, well, they are in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes looking to pick up that first overall pick. They're playing some decent hockey of late, and uh, given that loss earlier on this month, the Flames cannot take them lightly. Let's head to the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Let's hear from a couple members of the Calgary Flames on a game day following morning skate, starting with the head coach, Daryl Sutter. Daryl, when you guys played Chicago earlier in the month, it, it was a pretty good game. Um, I, I know that you were pretty pleased in general with the performance. The result didn't go your way. What did you take from, from that game? That game, um, I think we had directed about 80, over 80 shots at their net. Um, we'd like to finish a little bit more. They scored early in the first and early in the second. I think our power play scored two goals. And, uh, and actually, I think Chicago got a 3-1 lead. We scored two. We made it 3-2 and then 3-3. I think the Domi line had three goals. Uh, it's a milestone night. Tyler Toffoli, 700 games in this league. I mean, you've been with him for a long time. What can you say about that? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty good player for a long time paid his dues in the American League and did this he's taken a similar path that quite honest that some of the young guys here taken where they'd uh, our plan with Ty was to bring him up let him watch send him back bring him up play him a little send him back and then and then give it to him and actually I remember don't remember much about him but regular season early in his career I remember I remember playoffs early in his career more I found this old quote where he said after he scored his first goal that he didn't want to let you down because you put him out on the power play. Did yeah. he seem ready for that type of opportunity that early in his NHL then, career? Yeah. yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, his junior career was filled with that, right, with two-way play and power play. And then actually I think he, at, uh, I think his 19-year-old year, he might have led the OHL in shorthand goals too, if you look at it. So, uh, you know, it's a real similar path that you you have to take to develop the young guys. And and because of that, he matured properly as a player and became a really good player. You look in a cup team, he was, you know, he played in a line with 
with uh, another young player that we did the same with, Tanner Pearson. Those guys came came along and took took guys places and became really big contributors. Those days you had some titanic battles with Kane and Taves on that team, and is, is it hard to envision them in another jersey, or is that just the nature of the business now? Well, I, you know, I, just because you play against these guys, those guys so much, you have a lot of respect for them, right? They beat us, we beat them. If you look at the Cups, who won the Cups those years, you know, we knew, we always knew it was if we could get out of the our division that we were going to get Chicago. And if you look at when we won and they won, who played each other, and the best series I've ever coached was the Chicago uh, LA series, seven games, and it goes to overtime, the seventh game. And so you have a lot of respect for them guys. So do I envision them in a different jersey? I mean, that was my team growing up and still kind of my jersey, so I kind of identify them guys with that. What's the key to keeping the guys focused with uh, two quick ones before the All-Star break? Yeah, I think just the, you know, we're in the race, right? It's the heat of the battle. If you look at it, there's six points and separate the division was it five teams and you do it in the wild cards probably six teams except six points separate those teams so you know what you have to be hungry for your points what are your plans for the all-star break uh spend a couple days at the end of it up at the farm there you go daryl's plans for the all-star break Couple days up at the farm. That's Cam's All Star break too. Actually, Cam's gonna go up to the yep, farm. going up to the farm that I definitely have. He's gonna help Daryl uh, with the cows and throw some bales around. Some bales of well, hay. Well, he waits for his Subaru to yeah, get fixed. Yeah, he's, he's gonna take the Subaru. Up gotta there. work it off, you know. Just gotta ugh. haul some hay in his Subaru and gotta work that off. Daryl teaches some life lessons on the farm. How to be a man. It'll be like your own version of Yellowstone. Instead of Dutton Ranch, it'll be Sutter Ranch. Oh, my God. No Subarus allowed. You're going to have to trade it in for a Dodge. A beat-up Honda Civic, right? No. Ford F-150? Ford F-150. Tell them somebody sent you. I think that's the commercial. (laughs) Yeah, if you were wondering what Daryl's going to do during the All-Star break, uh, honestly, that's pretty much what I expected him to say. I didn't expect him to ask, but I was also not overly stunned that that's what Daryl's going to do. Daryl likes the farm. So back to the farm he goes. I uh, didn't like his comments there about Connor Mackey. Uh, a big opportunity here for Connor coming into tonight's game. Hasn't found his way in the lineup much of late. In the last month or so, really in between Chris Tanev injuries, is when Connor Mackey has found himself in the lineup. And. At different times, he struggled to be the guy that's come in to fill in. We've seen different guys this year, whether it be uh, Dennis Gilbert, who was called up by the team today, or others. There have been, you know, sort of a rotating cast in that sixth spot for the Calgary Flames. And for me, Connor Mackey's a guy that still has a lot of that untapped potential, but you can tell the runway is getting a little bit shorter. He has to be able to beat out a guy like Michael Stone for more playing time. He hasn't been able to do that lately. He talks, uh, and we'll hear from him coming up next here, uh, a lot about feeling like he's used this time off wisely on the ice, in practice, in the weight room, to be prepared for this opportunity. And with 
no real answer on the Oliver Shillington front, this could be a good opportunity for Connor Mackey to say, hey, when Chris is healthy, you should take Michael Stone out of the lineup and not me. I should be the one that gets put on that that third pairing with Nikita Zadorov. Can he do it? We'll see. It's been an up-and-down season for him so far, but as you hear from Connor Mackey uh, following morning skate here, he's confident that he's uh, ready to take that next step and he's excited for the challenge tonight against the Chicago Blackhawks. Just start with the opportunity. I mean, we, uh, we know this has happened before in terms of kind of the, the way that uh, you guys line up on the back end, but just to, to get in here and, and make a difference here tonight. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I've been working hard this last month. Um, maybe it doesn't seem like it uh, sometimes to you guys, like just not playing, but um, putting some good work in and uh, just ready to take advantage of it tonight. What goes into that, uh, you know, for you? Some of that, I would imagine, some of it obviously uh, on the ice, but some of it off the ice too, and just making sure you're ready for that next one. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, sometimes hard mentally to stay with it, but uh, you know what? Um, we got a good crew here, um, and uh, they've been super supportive of me. And uh, yeah, just obviously just getting my conditioning in uh, on the ice and in the weight room as well, staying staying up with my strength. Daryl said he sort of had a chat with you at the start of the last road trip, just sort of told you to stick with it and keep learning. Is that basically? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, it was good uh, to talk to him. I think, uh, you know, it's easy to, uh, maybe for a guy like me in my position, just uh, to be swept under the rug sometimes. So um, I'm glad we got to talk and uh, just kind of reassuring, like, hey, you know, stay with it. I'm going to get in. It's just, uh, it's not it's not if, it's when. I know you, like, obviously have to stay focused on the task at hand and with the Flames. Is it cool that this is playing against the Blackhawks? Yeah, yeah, it's like, uh, you know what, uh, it is It is a little special tonight. Um, it's my, you know, went to a lot of games growing up. Uh, it's my hometown team, so, um, yeah, I'm excited. Who was your guy growing up? Like, who was the one that on the Hawks that you kind of looked at and said, that's my guy? Yeah, uh, well, I think the big three for, for me were, were Kane, Taves, and, and Duncan Keith. Um, being a defenseman, uh, I, Keith was uh, someone I, he Norris trophies, so he was something I, somebody I really looked up to, and um, obviously, Cannon Taves, too. The, the, those guys are done with their career in three Stanley Cups. Uh, that's pretty special. Did you meet any of them as a kid, like growing up, coming up? Were you ever around those guys? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Um, I'm, I met them. Uh, I was pretty young when I met them, and so were the, so were they. So uh, I don't think they remembered me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. There you go, Flames defenseman Connor Mackey. Talking to the media, he's back in the lineup tonight. For the Flames, he'll be on a pairing with Michael Stone. Dennis Gilbert has been recalled. From the AHL's Calgary Wranglers, uh, while Chris Tanev is set to miss the next two games and uh, hopefully set to return post-All-Star break. One more person to hear from uh, this afternoon after uh, Flames practice. That is Tyler Toffoli, and uh, he's set to hit a pretty special personal milestone tonight. Uh, It'll be game number 700 in the NHL career for Tyler Toffoli, who's on pace for having one of his best seasons as a pro. He's got 17 goals, 23 assists on the year. That's good for 40 points in 48 games. His career high coming with Los Angeles back in 2015-2016, where he had 31 goals and 58 points. He's been a consummate pro for the Flames this year, one of their more consistent offensive threats. And if the Flames can get their power play going, get some more offensive production from that top line, of Dubé, Lindholm, and Toffoli, then you're likely to see Tyler Toffoli surpass that uh, career high that he set uh, almost 10 years ago with the Los Angeles Kings. But uh, he spoke to the media today ahead of game number 700 
in his NHL career, reminiscing on some memories, obviously with Daryl Sutter as his coach in Los Angeles and uh, his time here in Calgary and what's been a challenging season so far for the Calgary Flames. Here's Tyler Toffoli ahead of game number 700. Yeah, I'm going to start just with 700 tonight because I think uh, before we get to the game, I, I don't know if that's a milestone that you look at and celebrate necessarily, but it's a nice even number. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty cool. Obviously, it's one of those things at the start of the year where um, it's a realistic target and, and goal and for it to happen, and I'm, I'm really excited. It's um, It's been a lot of a lot of fun playing in the league, and um, especially being here with, with these guys, it's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Does it... You know, these little milestones along the way, I mean, 500, I was sure, is a, is a big one. But as you kind of go along, do you reflect on some of those big moments, those big uh, you know, big, big opportunities in your career? Yeah, Dubes says it uh, doesn't count, so uh, 700 is not that big of a deal. He said two, 250 is better, so. Uh, so it'll be fun tonight, and uh, tomorrow night's going to be even cooler for, for Dylan. <laughs> Tyler, what do you remember about uh, Game 1, if anything? Uh, game 1, I think, uh, was against San Jose. And obviously at that time, it was a big rivalry with, with L.A. And um, from what I remember, there wasn't really a puck on the ice. It usually was the case playing against San Jose and Anaheim um, when I first came in the league. So uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun, like I said, and um, just to keep it going and uh, just try and get a win tonight. What about the, these two games heading into the break? Uh, I know we've talked a lot about the jockeying and how close it is back and forth, but just uh, you know how important it is to go into that break feeling good about your game and where you're at. Yeah, it's kind of similar to before Christmas. We had that uh, the California trip, and every game meant a lot and, and put us in a position for when we came back to um, you know keep ourselves in a spot to um, you know kind of keep up with the teams that, that were, uh, were winning, and I think. These two games are another um, two big games, two big opportunities for, for some points. And, um, again, we'll put us in a good position uh, for when we come home. Daryl was just sort of talking about coaching the Kings against the Blackhawks back in the day and just the intensity of that rivalry. What do you, was it as intense as, as all that? Definitely. Uh, I remember you know, playing games in the season. It felt like playoff games and then um, being able to play them twice uh, early on in my career. And... Um, I'll never forget, you know, being able to beat them and move on to the finals and how crazy that series was going back and forth and how good both of our teams were, and it, it honestly could have went either way. Darryl said it was the best series he's ever coached. What was Was it just the quality of hockey and the intensity? felt like everything you could ask for in, in, a, in a playoff series. Um, I remember you know, big hits, uh, big goals scored by both teams. Um amazing goals and like I said just just incredible future Hall of, Hall of Famers playing on both sides there you go Tyler Toffoli number 73 for the Calgary Flames playing in regular season game number 700 of his career reminiscing on some of the great moments and playoff series he had over the years as a member of the Los Angeles Kings and of course would love to add to some of those memories uh during his time here in Calgary he's well past the 700 career game mark when you add in 88 playoff contests, but uh, as far as regular season games go, it'll be game number 700 for Tyler tonight. So congratulations to Tyler on that milestone, 433 career points in 699 games walking into uh, tonight. So uh, really big accomplishment for Tyler Toffoli, just at 30 years old, uh, so well on uh, his way to perhaps eclipsing the 1,000 game mark in the NHL. And like I mentioned before, we heard from Tyler, uh, pretty good offensive season for him as well. One of the best he's had in a very long time. 
uh, set to, uh, you know, challenge his career highs on the year uh, back in 2015-16 with Los Angeles when he had uh, 58 points and 31 goals. Last person to hear from today, Rasmus Anderson. He knows that his team's going to have to step up big with Chris Tanev out of the lineup and uh, looking forward to hopefully putting up two points, getting a little bit of revenge against the Chicago team that took down the Flames earlier this month. We just start with uh, just these two games going to the break. Obviously, the uh, positioning has been back and forth, as we know in the standings, but uh, how can you set yourself up here heading into the break? Uh, win two games. That's how we can set ourselves up. And, uh, you know, two, two tough games and, uh, you know, back-to-back in Seattle and um, a tough test today. Uh, you know, we lost in Chicago in OT, so uh, just got to be ready to play tonight and, um, yeah, and take it from there. Does that one still sit in the back of your mind a little bit, that, that one earlier this month in Chicago? Yeah, I mean, I felt like we didn't play our best game there. We kind of uh, gave a point away, so um, obviously that's a point we would like back. But, um, you know, it's... Uh, it's a new day, new opportunities. Yeah, Daryl's talked a lot about defensemen being 5% better when a guy like Tanner goes down. So what goes into a guy being 5% better on the ice when your player suffers an injury like that? Is that yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, it's something we talked about all year. Everybody's got to be a little bit better. And, uh, you know, when, when Chris goes down, uh, you know, he's... Uh, He's such a he's such a good player. He uh, you know he's uh, he's really good defensively and um, good on the PK. So uh, it's obviously um, the other six of us that's playing's got to step it up a little bit. And um, as I said, he's he's a really good really good and important player for us. He's uh, he's our leader on the back end. And uh, you know when he goes down, uh, the other six of us got to step up. What don't we see out of him that maybe you see that that you appreciate that much more? Um, I think there's a lot you guys don't see about Chris. Um, you know, his just his ability to break pucks out, um, his ability to win one-on-one battles in the corners, uh, his PK. You know, his uh, just his mindset on the bench and stuff like that. You guys have no clue about how he how he is on the bench and um, you know how calm he is in every situation and um, stuff like that. So, as I said, when Chris goes down. Um, the other six of us have to have to play even better. There you go, Flames Vinceman Rasmus Anderson, the uh, last of the Flames to speak. Following morning skate today at the Scotiabank Saddledome, 7 o'clock, Flames and the Chicago Blackhawks. Our Flames coverage gets going at 6 o'clock tonight. Pat Steinberg and Peter Labardius have your Flames warm-up. Lou and Derek Wills will call the Flames and the Blackhawks right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, your home of the Flames. Puck drop just after 7 o'clock tonight. Part of a busy schedule uh, across the National Hockey League that gets going on Sportsnet at 5 o'clock. How about this matchup? The NHL leading Boston Bruins in Tampa Bay to take on their division rivals, the Tampa Bay Lightning. That should be a great game uh, between those two. It looks like Tampa Bay and Toronto uh, are well on their way to another round one playoff series while Boston is looking for a President's Trophy. How about the record for Boston this year? 38 Five and four on the season. Just five regulation losses for Boston this season. You want to watch that one? You can do so on the Sportsnet television side of things. Just after five o'clock, you've got the Red Wings and the Habs. Uh, another edition of Sid versus Ovi goes tonight from Washington. Penguins taking on the Capitals. Sabres and Jets, six o'clock start from Winnipeg. Devils and Predators. You've got the Flyers taking on the Minnesota Wild. Ducks and Avalanche from Colorado. That one, 7 o'clock puck drop 
on Sportsnet 360, while the Flames and Blackhawks are on Sportsnet West. The Avs completing that trade yesterday with the San Jose Sharks that sees Matt Nieto back in Colorado along with Ryan Merkley. Uh, that was a trade that went down yesterday. And uh, the last game on the schedule tonight, it goes from Arizona. The uh, Connor Bedard hopefuls at Mullet Arena. Arizona 15, 28, and 5 on the year, taking on the St. Louis Blues, who uh, might be sellers of the trade deadline themselves. Our NHL insider, Frank Saravalli, who uh, joined the guys in the morning show, Russick and Rose, a little bit earlier today, uh, has been doing trade deadline profiles. Today, the Calgary Flames were the focus for Frank and a couple of St. Louis Blues on his list when it comes to potential options for the Calgary Flames. Not uh, reporting anything, merely connecting dots, as as Frank said earlier, but um, could the Flames perhaps be interested in a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko? Could you convince him to waive his no-movement clause to come to Calgary and chase uh, a playoff spot with the Calgary Flames? Also mentions uh, his line mate as well, Ivan Barbashev, uh, who's had a very down year this year for the St. Louis Blues, but not all that far removed from a 26-goal campaign last season. He has eight goals and 15 assists in 48 games this year. Uh, so a couple guys to watch for on that list. And a guy that Frank has mentioned before, uh, also on the perhaps radar for the Calgary Flames, Max Domi, who um, lit up the Flames in that game in Chicago earlier this month. Uh, another potential name that Frank has listed there. But if you want to... Uh, if you see the full list and read uh, Frank's column on uh, trade deadline profiles for the Calgary Flames, you can do so by checking out his Twitter page. Or uh, you can listen to his hit with Matt and George earlier today uh, on the big show with Russick and Rose, wherever you get your podcast. A uh, quick thank you to everybody for listening today. A uh, reminder, you can get this show wherever you get your podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite pod catchers. Thank you to uh, all of our guests today. Thank you to Cam and Taylor, outstanding Production team, we got to get out of here on the other side. Haley Salvian's got another outstanding edition of Hockey Central 960 coming your way. We have a Hockey PDO cast this afternoon. And, of course, we'll make way for Pat Steinberg with Flames Talk this afternoon, getting you set for all things Flames and Blackhawks. That's coming up next on your home of the Calgary Flames. This is Sportsnet 960, The Fan.